Looking for a one-stop shop for all your audio and video needs? Then look no further than Always Press Record Productions. With over 100 hours of original content produced, Always Press Record Productions has an experienced staff on hand ready to assist you with all your YouTube, podcast, and music video needs. Check them out at alwayspressrecord.com. Once again, that's alwayspressrecord.com. And remember, they press record and you become the star. Welcome to the Mangrove Community. Strengthening the community one branch at a time. For more information about the community or how to volunteer, please visit mangrovecommunity.org. back to another episode of Mangrove Community Presents Reasonable Doubt. We have uh, our special guest here today, Dave Lewis. Um, he's the founder of Second Chances Life Nonprofit. Um, <clears throat> just to let you know a little bit about the nonprofit, um, Second Chances Life is an organization committed to removing the stigma associated with the word felon, and it's attached to those affected by sy systemic injustices. Our goal is to reduce recidiv recidiv oh Lord. <laughs> I'm gonna get caught up on recidivism by not only advocating for those in marginalized communities, but more importantly, providing resources and guidance to those who truly desire to thrive in society. And um, so I'm gonna I'm introduce Dave here. Um, I met him working in the community. This guy does a lot of great work. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, first of all, thank you, Carl, for uh, having me. Yes, sir. Um, appreciate everything. Like, I don't believe um, stuff just happens. You know what I'm saying? I don't always believe in, like, the divine um, power right. that's greater than right. us that aligns our paths and stuff. And so uh, when you're doing the work, like, you always run across other people doing the work. So I appreciate that. Uh, thank you both for uh, having me here today. Um, the second chance is not life. Everybody just says second chance of life. Um, that life. Yeah, yeah. And I try to throw it in there the second time. So no. second chance is that life. Yeah. It's like, gotcha. But that's My our apologies. domain and everything. It's all gotcha. the same. Um, but yeah, we're our whole goal is to reduce recidivism in the community and by taking, I believe, in a holistic approach to solving a lot of the challenges, every challenge to me um, in the community, in our world, because you can't do this stuff alone. Right. It's impossible to think that one person has a solution for an entire community. Um, and our focus is solely on one of what I think is one of the biggest issues that plague us is prison, incarceration, jail, slavery. Right. Um, these X's on our back that last forever. Like if you get a felony, it's impossible to get that off um, your record. Right. And so with that being said, I mean, we now the numbers have gone up. I think now we have 2.2 million people incarcerated on a daily basis. Wow. Um, it went from 1.5 to now 2.2 million. It's absurd. It is. It is. So um, with with your program, how how do you assist people with that, with that X on their back? Because this is something that's all too common in our communities. Um, we all have someone in our family, if not a few family members that 
deal with the um, the prison system in one form or another. So, how how does your your program assist people coming out? Got it. So we again, like I talked talk about, we take a holistic approach, but uh, we have several different partnerships in the community mm -hmm. in Houston, Harris County. Uh, we've been here two years and we built some pretty good partnerships. So one of the things that um, it started second chances that um, we identified was what are some of the needs that people have that are coming out? Mm -hmm. um, like true needs, like most people when they're coming out are coming back out into a world that has already said no to you right. with the family on you. Right. So a job, like most people need a job. Right. So that's one of the things we focus on, jobs, that's, um, the, that's the first question they ask on a lot of applications. What do you look for jobs that hire felons, or or you do you advocate for them when it comes to getting jobs? Or? Um, so one of the things that we were able to do, we, we we were founded in California. So in California, like um, there's an organization called Crime Safety and Survivors and Justice, mm -hmm. and we were able to uh, we partnered with them locally. They're in Houston now, so. They uh, make changes on a legislative level. Okay. Um, so that's the legislation thing, like removing the box from applications from housing. Right. In Texas alone, um, as soon as you check off the box at a lot of places, they're going to throw your application in the trash. They're not right. going to consider you, and that's discrimination. Uh, we just hadn't got to the place where the proper things need to take place to get those things removed because that is discrimination. Yeah. And it goes back to even the same thing with housing. Mm -hmm. Like the housing, Fair Housing Act of 1968 does not protect people that have been caught up in the system. Right. Like if you go down the list and you look at all the people that are protected, if you have a felony, mm -hmm. you're not on that list. Right. And so that is something that we are focused on, that's been our main focus, housing and jobs, but specifically housing, because if you don't have a place to stay and you can't put a place in your name, mm -hmm. you're so homeless, yeah. you know, you're homeless. Yeah. And and what everybody, if you've done your time and you've paid your debt to society, when you come out of there, minus a couple of heinous crimes, you should be set free and your citizenship should be restored immediately. Right. Um, right. Justice is not paying for something over and over and over and over. Justice is paying for something once. Right. And Especially if they say it's a system to rehabilitate you, then if you come out, then their system should have worked to where you, you can go be a regular citizen all over again. And it's up to you to make the right decisions or the wrong decisions as to you know whether you get you get caught up in the system again, or if you're living your life the way you're supposed to, then you should you shouldn't have any limitations. And that goes back to addressing the why in society. Mm -hmm. I state that on a daily basis, like we don't address the why, and that's with almost everything. Right. But specifically, when people make mistakes, mm -hmm. like we live in a society. We have the most incarcerated people in the world right. in the United States, and we make up five percent of the population. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. Right. Um, and so, when, until we start addressing the why, we're always going to have these issues. And until then, instead of waiting, we as a community have to save ourselves. Right. We have to find a way to grab a hold of our brothers and sisters, our young kids, mm -hmm. young kids before they make a mistake, or even after they make mistakes. 
and have a safe space for them to come where they can navigate this space because it doesn't make our community safer. Right. If someone can't get a job, but they can't get housing, they're turning to things that are illegal, right. things that are criminalized to survive. There's not very many positive alternatives out there. When, right. you, when you can't give a person a legal job, housing, things like that. Um, man, it's tough. So creating that safe space, um, creating businesses within our communities, because as if you have a feeling, it doesn't stop you from opening up your own business and things like that. Um, is that something you kind of, and I know not everyone can start their own business, but some people come out and they are business minded. Do you have any resources available mm -hmm. to people yeah. like that? So there's tons of resources. Like we have partnerships with different um, job skills programs mm -hmm. where um, Workers Defense is a fairly new organization to Houston that we partner with. And they basically like they take you and they put you through a training program, a six week training program. Mm -hmm. And that um, you get into the unions with it. There's a painter's union, the right. electrician union, um, the builder's union. So mm -hmm. that is opening up doors because the key is to have different tools mm -hmm. in your bag. The challenge with that is people need a base. Like you need a, you need a job. You need to be able to support yourself while you're getting these other things. Right. Like if I can't get my basic needs met, right. how do I how do I go to these trainings? Like, right. how do I go to these different places? How do I fill my tool bag when I can't even eat? Right. I don't have a roof over my head. So it, it, it takes gas to get there. Even if you're riding a bus, it takes. Absolutely. And that's hard to come by if you, if you don't have a job. Right. And so not everybody. Um, and then you need money to start a business. Right. You need money, you need resources, you need support to do all those things. So some people have that. Um, we have a guy uh, who I'm super proud of. He, um, he's been out three months, spent 18 years in there um, for, I think it was drugs. And uh, wow. he um, just got an opportunity for a six-figure job um, after our event last <laughs> week, um, which is phenomenal. So fingers crossed wow. that uh, he made it to the last steps in that um, to get the role in that. But he also is in a he's a phenomenal person mm -hmm. um but had the support of his family the entire time he was in there right his wife never left him gotcha. um but just think about the the i mean just think about i mean the whole family is in jail i mean for your your wife to stay committed mm -hmm. and think about how hard that is for the wife how right. hard that is for the kids it's a lifestyle um, change for the entire for family. everybody but yeah. for to have somebody hanging there with you mm -hmm. And to love you and support you, and hey, it's like you have no choice but to come out and do the right absolutely. thing. Absolutely, because you can't let all those people down who held on to you for that long and kept it. I mean, and to keep your mind and to keep your sanity mm -hmm. and to keep your focus and to stay hopeful is powerful. You know, so people need that kind of support. Uh, but then everybody doesn't have that support. So, is it a way that we, as the people, could could support people? Yeah, people. Even letters and stuff, mm -hmm. like it's important um, that people get letters. Like there's an organization called Path of Justice, St. John's mm -hmm. uh, Church. Um, they That's where they're housed at. 
and they, which I, this is something that uh, we're going to start doing too, but every Wednesday they write people hmm. that are incarcerated. So they take every Wednesday night mm -hmm. and people come in and they write letters to people that are incarcerated. That's pretty cool. And um, that's so important. Um, I have, my brother's in prison right now um, for opioid. Mm -hmm. um, try to give him 25 to life for opioids. For opioids. You know, things that just should not be criminalized. If somebody's selling opioids or if they're on opioids, why do, why are we not being offered rehab? Mm -hmm. why, why are we being criminalized for things and why is rehab not even on the table? Right. Um, but if we weren't involved, me, my family, my mom, mm -hmm. and not educated on the laws mm -hmm. and holding them accountable to this being cruel and unusual punishment and the crime, the, the time not fitting the crime, right. You know, he ended up getting, it's like a year and a half, um, which is still, he's still been criminalized, but to offer somebody 25 to life. 25 to life. For some pills. And y'all had to fight to get a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And that's the issue with the system right now as we speak, even in Harris County, because I I had the honor of attending one of your, your events um, what, like two weekends ago. And you had, um, was it Judge Jones? Judge Jones and Judge Jordan. Judge Jones and Judge Jordan. Now, Judge Jones, he wouldn't take the credit for it, um, but he played a major role in um, the criminal, the, the bail reform that just got passed here in Houston. And when he was speaking about it, he the, was saying- Judge Jordan. Oh, Judge, Judge Jordan. Jordan. I'm sorry. He led the way on that. Okay, Judge Jordan. Presiding. Jones is, Judge Jones is over the felony court. Okay, yeah. That's next. Gotcha, gotcha. And Jordan's over the misdemeanor court. He's the presiding judge over all the misdemeanor courts. Gotcha. So he led the way. On okay, the, sorry. Yeah, so so Judge Jordan, he, he led the way, um, actually testified against his peers to say what they were doing was, it wasn't right. And it got ruled in the court of law to be unconstitutional. So that means that our jail systems were operating outside of the law for a number, for decades. That's how long this has been going on. And like you say, it's up to us to know the law first to make sure that it's being held up and, and executed the correct way. And then if it's not, it's gonna take us to take it to the courts and to the legislature to get the, you know, to get things corrected or get things back the way they should be in the first place. So it's, a, yeah, it's important. Like I, it's so important to have the right people in the right seats mm -hmm. at the right time. Right. Um, they're both young. Um, they're both um, from our community. Mm -hmm. They both understand the injustices that come with the color of our skin. Right. And so, and also to have the support um, of, of other people. Um, judge Jordan having the support of the rest of the judges. Um, mm -hmm. He had some lawyers, uh, it wasn't easy. Like he right. had, you know, you're talking about being a democratic African-American judge mm -hmm. that sided with the plaintiffs. Right. Like this was brought, when does a judge take the side of the plaintiff? Like go against his peers to side with the plaintiffs? In the, I haven't heard of it. It's huge, but that's huge. It is. I mean, that's it you're talking about somebody that understands what this does to our our communities. Sandra Bland will be alive today mm -hmm. with with this. I mean, she was in five hundred dollars for having a cigarette that she wouldn't put out in her right. car. 
Um, so I guess I guess we need to back up a little bit for those who don't understand or haven't been keeping up with it. How was the bail system being ran before versus um, the new bill that was passed? Right. So just an example. Um, say if you're you go to jail for traffic tickets, you have outstanding tickets, and they stop you. Whatever. Right. They may set your bill at $10,000, somewhere in there. If you can't afford that Mm -hmm. and nobody can bail you out, you basically sit there until you go see a judge. And that can be weeks, months? I mean, it just Mm -hmm. depends on how fast they move. Of course, we're talking about a jail system that's slow. Right. Um, And so you're just sort of sitting there. So just think about because someone didn't pay traffic tickets, you run the risk of losing your job. If you're a parent, mm-hmm. single parent, you're probably gonna lose your kids. Right. Um, a lot of things. I mean, you're you're talking about just not being able to right. afford like a, that. A snowball effect. And all of that is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. That's that's against the constitution. Like everybody has a right to a fair and speedy trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the statistics show that if someone in River Oaks goes to jail right. for a DUI or that's any of those crimes or for tickets and they can afford to bail themselves out, no statistics show you that that makes our society safer. Right. The other side will argue that we're just letting criminals go free that have committed crimes. Mm-hmm. A traffic ticket is not something that you should be sitting in jail for for days or weeks or any of that um losing your job family and there's there's a law of parties if you're with me Mm -hmm. and i commit a crime say it's some kind of petty theft and you're with me Mm -hmm. we're both going to jail (laughs) so if i committed the crime and i have the money to get myself out you didn't even commit the crime and you still sitting in there because you can't afford to get yourself out i mean you're talking about it's it's things that should not be criminalized, right. and you shouldn't be set this excessive bail for things that are not. You're not doing things that are harmful to society right. per se. Like right. if you're doing stuff to harm yourself, what's the alternative? Like we're not looking at alternatives. We're not looking at why. Like if someone is going to steal something, you probably need it. Right. So let's yeah. look at what they're going through and. What resources we had to help them out and get them out of this Absolutely. situation? Absolutely. You know, redirecting someone instead of sending them to jail, sending them to someone like Second Chances. Like, right. this person is homeless. This person needs a job. Or enrolling them in a job program, enrolling them in resources. All those things are cheaper. Mm-hmm. Like, Harris County spends, on average, a day, taxpayers' money, 500000 half a million a day on contain containing people. Wow. When you can just have a program to try to get them on the right track and that'd be the last time you deal with them in the system. Off from something outside of just punishment. Right. Not saying that you disregard the crime or whatever, but not everything needs to be criminal. The 80% of the, even people in prison are low level offenses. Mm-hmm. They're not, we're not talking about these heinous crimes. Right. And this, I guess it is an example I was able to meet with um, 
with the Alden ISD School District today. And one of the guys he gave he gave me an example um, of one of the programs he would like to put in place. Instead of suspending a child, if they are facing suspension, if you have um, vocational training or vocational programs, or if you have a community garden, let's put them out in the garden and teach them something, teach them a skill. Let's, if you have a landscaping business, let's borrow them for that day he's suspended and get them out there and put them to work and teach them something at the same time. And it may open up their young man eyes to it being more to life out there, more ways to get money. Um, because a lot of times that, that is the problem with our young men, our young women, is money and a lack thereof and a lack of the resources to get it. So it's up to us to come up with creative ways to, you know, to offer our children and our young adults an alternative in our communities. And then the, the sad part about that is how did we allow this system to start criminalizing our kids at the age of 10? Like we're how did we get there? Like I'm, um, I haven't, I've been gone the last 15 years or whatever, but just coming back and just seeing how, I wouldn't be here today if I got criminalized for fighting when I was growing up mm -hmm. as a child, um, for skipping school. Right. Um, all the things that most kids do, I mean, you're, I mean, you do stuff as kids that just should not be criminalized, you know, and so that's, I just cannot, I can't wrap my mind around how this system continues to attack our community. And, and we have people that look like us that know about these things that are not bringing this stuff to the community because somewhere we're failing. Like mm -hmm. we're failing to get the information to the people that need it so that we can arm ourselves and equip ourselves right. with, with, you know, defending this stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so. And part of it um, falls on the way our communities are policed. And like you say, it's an attack, it's a direct attack on our community. Um, working in corporate America, I've worked with people who stay in, you know, what you refer to as the lands, the Pearlands, Sugarlands, even Spring, Klein area up in there. and. Working with them and even living in some of these areas, you realize the same thing go on in these communities, but they're police different. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my coworkers telling me how his young neighbor blew up his mailbox. That's a federal offense to blow up somebody's mailbox. But when the police came, they asked my coworker, "What do you want? What do you want us to do with him?" And my coworker, "I just want to have a conversation with him." And the police let him have a conversation, and everybody was able to go home that night. Now, if that happened in our community, that kid would probably still be sitting in jail mm -hmm. right now. And we, we as the people, wouldn't been given, we wouldn't have been given the option to address it the way we would like to address it. So, And all of that stuff, is that's, that's a prime example of what restorative justice looks like. Like, if I'm a victim of a crime, I should be involved in what happens to the, um, to the person that committed the crime. Right. I should be involved in it because... Not everybody wants somebody to go to jail. Right. Not everybody wants this person to get the death penalty. Not everybody. Some people just want an apology yeah. or they may want you to do some community service. Um, just that's what restorative justice looks right. like. It's just not equally. It's not. It's just not given to everybody on the same level mm -hmm. at the same time like you black and you automatically criminalize you automatically no matter what age right 
Like they don't even look at our kids as kids. They don't look at us as humans sometimes. Like they look at us as these monsters that commit this stuff and just, you know, we're just not allowed to to be victims. Right. So um uh and back back to the cause you keep saying why and why as a community, like you say, do we allow this to happen? Because we've been having these issues, especially in Houston with the Harris County jail system. We can have it for, we've been having these issues for as long as I can remember, people dying out in our jail systems. And it's like, we had to deal with that first before we can even realize what was going on with the bail system. Cause we had so many people dying in our jail system. And when the, the people come out of jail and they're making the complaints on what happened to them, you know what they say the the stigmatism or the stereotype all felons they all say they're, they're innocent so when they come out saying that they were mistreated and this that, and that even people from the community kind of take it with a grain of salt so it's up to us to be more alert and aware of what's going on and really consider what's being said to us from people coming out of jail yeah absolutely um I just think for so long, like we were programmed to, to just sort of just sweep stuff under the carpet. Mm-hmm. Like we're programmed, and it became it's, it became a norm. Like it became an everyday occurrence. Yeah. Um, you go to jail, you get out, you go to jail, mm-hmm. you get out, you go to jail, you get out. <laughs> um, so it's been this cycle of just brokenness. It's been a whole cycle of just, we continue to cycle because that's what you see, that's what you know. It became a norm. It becomes a norm. And then we now, thank God for social media and other things, but we know a lot more about this system than we did before. Mm-hmm. Um, we see it, we can read about it, we can understand it. Um, there's a lot more people that look like us that work in it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of Judge Jordans or Judge Joneses in it. Right. Um, there's a lot of people that look like us, but that could care less about. <laughs> it's not them. So. About, yeah, it's, it's one of those. Um, America's one of those places that's very, it's, it's become very every man for himself. Um, in order to get the dream and get the sack, you know, you gotta leave everybody else behind. And, you know, it's this whole mentality, like we've lost our sense of community. We've lost our way and stop fighting. It's almost like a class thing. It's like, and it's always been big, but now it's like, it's, it's, it's every race it goes across every spectrum. Once you get, you're making a certain amount, you can move in a certain community, then you made it, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and everybody following everybody to these certain areas, prominent areas, prominent communities. And I feel like all the resources are getting drained out of our communities and we don't realize we're the ones playing a part as well. Yeah, because I think when, when we make it, we forget about the stuff that matters. Like we still, I think out of the community, we still have this uh, poverty of the soul. And what poverty of the soul does to you is it you always you don't want to lose anything. Mm-hmm. Like you you don't want to 
you don't want to put yourself in a, in a in a space where you might you don't want to say something that might offend someone because you may lose something, mm-hmm. even if it's the truth. Right. You don't want to say it. You don't want to you don't want to address these things. Mm-hmm. You don't want to go talk to this person because you may lose something, especially money. Right. You know, we have a lot. There's a lot of black people with a lot of money now that put their heads together, put their money together. We, we could have so many resources in the community. Definitely. We could eliminate our housing issues mm-hmm. with just the amount of wealth that we have in this country, right. not even the world, but just America. But most people, if it doesn't affect them, it doesn't matter to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't, and, and nobody, I don't, people can build wealth. You can't, when you leave here, somebody else is spending that. It's going somewhere else. And of course you want to leave it to your family and those type of things. And I think that's great, but some people have way more than enough money, you know, and not saying that you can save the world, save the whole community, but we don't have the economic power. You know, we, Mm -hmm. we don't have it. And I think it's getting there, but we just, we don't have it. We don't have it yet. And we we are leaders like it's a new day now i'm excited about houston um especially those like judge jordan judge mm-hmm. jones and yeah. they you know we're on the front edge of like we're this is history right but you know they're they're out front leading leading it um but us as a community like you say even economically we're not there and I don't even think we have the infrastructure in place to get there because we don't have the businesses in our community. So the moment the black dollar comes into the community, it goes right out because we're gonna go spend it at Walmart. We're gonna go spend it somewhere outside our community. Even the even the communities that are becoming diverse, you still see who the actual business owners are. So the money staying in their communities. So. How do we build that infrastructure if we're not staying in our communities to make sure that, our black, that the black dollar circulates within the black community? Because I, I think one of the ways is, and I, I say this all the time, is that when we do have leaders and people in positions that are over the community, like city council, mm-hmm. mayors, like when they start gentrifying our community and bringing these businesses in, there need to be clauses and policies where that money goes towards resources in that community. Mm-hmm. Like you're making money off this community. How do we bring, put this back into the community? Right. Not you put this store in this community, but you live in River Oaks mm-hmm. and your money goes, when you, you spend your money somewhere else, right. you don't spend it here. Mm-hmm. When you set your gas stations up in the community, you set your dollar stores up in the community, you set your grocery stores up in the community, right. your beauty shops, your cleaners, your dialysis center, all of that stuff when it comes to like community planning and stuff, if you're gonna bring it in here, mm-hmm. how, how much you giving back to the community? Right. What's the trade-off? What's the trade-off? Mm-hmm. And that's really how you start to build economic power and you start adding things to the community. Right. You know, so we have to start demanding, we have to start demanding things that we want. We have to start holding people accountable to the things we want. Like we don't hold people accountable. We don't right. hold ourselves accountable. Like if we put somebody in office, we elect you, mm-hmm. you need to do what you say you're gonna do. Right. Not us having to come beat down your door exactly. and stand in front of your office and picking in front of yourself because you lied to get in office to get our vote, mm-hmm. you know? And now all of a sudden it's like, you know, 
this issue, I mean, the people for some reason are afraid to address black issues. Even black people that get in these roles mm -hmm. don't want to, uh, they don't want to address our issues. Right. But they, they became a, a stereotype within itself too. The angry black woman, the, the angry black man or the militant. When you get into those positions and you're yelling, you know, black this and black that. And they, they try to paint you that way in the media per se, but us in the community, we know what's going on. Um, how do we get around that stigmatism? Because that's something I see every day in the media is that, oh, um, oh, we need to get over it, or that's so long ago, or it's a, it's a lot of conversations about reparations right now. So it's like as a community, we have a we have a we have a lot that we have to get together on and figure out what direction we want to go as a community as well. Yeah, but I I don't think you. You can't be afraid. Mm -hmm. Like you can't be afraid to say what you know right. and what's what's true. Mm -hmm. Like the facts are there. <laughs> Black people <clears throat> are disproportionately affected by incarceration. True. Black true. people are are disproportionately affected by policing in this country. Mm -hmm. Black people, the war on drugs, the crime bill. Mm -hmm affected us tremendously three strikes it was passed during the clinton yes so to to try to erase those things and assume that okay now we're just going to move forward is not okay like we we need somebody in these positions that that are going to stand up and say this is an issue mm -hmm. and i want to fight to get these things addressed and i need the rest of y'all to get on board with me. Right. But this is this is going to be something that we need to address. If we don't ever address issues in the black community, mm -hmm. this country is never, ever going to move to the space that it could be. Right. Like if we continue to ignore the issues and the things in our community, it affects everybody. It does. Like people don't understand that locking people up for petty stuff has been the norm forever. Locking people up for low-level crimes has been the norm. Restorative justice should include resources. Restorative justice should include rehab. Mm -hmm. Restorative justice should include repair. Right. Like They're legalizing marijuana right now. Mm -hmm. They're moving to do that in Texas. You locked us up in the 90s <laughs> for it. So those that have backgrounds and records for that, right. there should be some repair. You should restore their 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 record. Right. You should repair their record. Right. And they shouldn't have to go through the anything any steps to do anything. It. Right. You know. So the, all those things. I don't like when we're talking about that and people getting excited about it and all that. I'm like, what about what about my family? The people who were affected by it. What about my friends? Yeah. What about what about the people that still have this stuff on their record that is still being affected by it, that still shows up every time you go. For a job interview, right. like I don't, I don't get excited about it. Like I don't think none, none of these things are okay unless there's some type of repair involved in it. Like right. excited, I'm glad we're progressing and moving forward. But it's funny how now that we're progressing and moving forward, you guys go from criminalizing marijuana to legalizing it, mm -hmm. and now there's an attack on our community with opioids. Yeah. But you also provide funding, billions of dollars, to the white community to address the opioid crisis with resources and not. Police. We were left on our own, the crack. Yep. 
I mean, people still to this day, crack is nothing. They did nothing but lock us up. That's it. Yeah. There were no rehabs offered to the black community for crack. At all. There were no, none of those things. They lock you up. They lock our men up. They throw the key away. And today, all of a sudden, opioids. We have to do something. And and that problem, the crack, the the problems that stem from that, they're still there. I, I know people personally, families, entire families that were affected by it. And they're as they're slowly learning as a generation um, how to overcome the things that they saw and the trauma that they dealt with coming up, but that's a process within within itself. And now all of a sudden the opioid epidemic is there, and it's like we're forgetting that it's still remnants remaining from the crack epidemic. Tons, <laughs> many tons. Yeah. Um, so speaking and, and back to with the opioid epidemic and the resources that that they're making available. Um, I'm losing my train of thought here. It's the first trick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I hear you speaking about all of this, um, and I, I love the work you do in the community. I love the, the team you have with you. How did you get started in all of this? Um, I um, I'm one. I come from uh, the communities that I advocate for, and I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Um, I was one of those ones that I was like, when I get out of here, I'm I'm out. Right. I'm never coming back. And so, um, like I said, I was I got kicked out of school. Um, I fought every single day. And mm-hmm. that's, what, that's what we did. Like, we weren't trying to kill each other. We just <laughs> it was fought. Just the norm. Yeah. yeah. And today we still alive. We still love each other. We right. still see each other. One of my best friends and I got into a fight. Uh, we best friends now. Um, but that's what we did. We just sort of. That's kind of all you knew. Right. Um, that was that, that was how we would talk to settle things. You know, you have an issue, and if you can't talk it out, then you fight it out, and we shake hands and we friends after the next day. So. Yeah, and it was sort of like, we just grew up surviving. Like, it wasn't necessary that you had, I always say this, to be black in this world, you always you have to fight. You know, you always have to fight. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be physically. But that's right. um, neither here nor there, but that's sort of how we hash things out. And I got kicked out of school, had to move, all kinds of stuff. And all those things were just pain. I was in pain. Mm-hmm. Like I was, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, growing up, you know, knowing that you didn't have it and knowing that other kids did. Like, right. you know, there was a lot of just, I don't call it bullying, but people just sort of picked on you for it. And so the only answer to it was like, let's go. Right. You know, we, we fight or whatever. So I, um, I ended up doing really well in sports. So that was like my outlet. Like mm-hmm. I was I thank God for sports and stuff because that was like my anger outlet. Like I was a defensive back and I was a hurdler for enemy hurdler. So all those things sort of allowed me to channel my anger right. into just this thing, right. this sport, and I could get it out. Right. And because um, I was always academically, I didn't have any problems, but it was just more so, you know, just acting out. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, when you know, again, like addressing the why, like I didn't. You know, I would have been if, if all those things get kicked out of school, fighting and stuff. Today, you get criminalized for that. Right. Uh, I didn't get criminalized for that. So 
Thank God. Ended up, you know, <laughs> being able to get a scholarship um, to go play sports and um, changed my life. I, um, I always knew, though, like even as a child, like I always knew that the way I grew up was not going to be my life. Right. Like I always in my even I remember just saying this is not what life is. Right. This is not. Um, yeah. And I grew I mean, my I talk about this a lot, but my mom was abused every day mm -hmm. growing up. Same dude. Domestic violence back then was just like whatever. Right. Like, you know, they would they wouldn't even arrest the dude. Right. Um, she finally got a restraining order on him. Mm -hmm. And um, we grew up and you just kind of feel helpless, you know, and I kept being like, why is she going back to this dude? Mm -hmm. You know, if she just couldn't get away. Right. So my brother at 15 um, beat the guy up mm -hmm. and the guy died from the injuries. Oh, okay. um, so my brother got charged. At 15? And my mom. And your mom? What they charge her for? Aiden a, and a, um, they charged her with like assisting in the it was all BS. Gotcha. Um, so, um, and we, I was like 10 years old. So my brother had to go to juvie and from juvie, he went off to, um, prison. He had a one-year-old, no, he didn't, the child wasn't even one-year-old at the time. That was my nephew. So he was a baby. Um, my mom went to jail, 10 years probation. And we, I mean, back, we we had no idea the law, but I mean, you just kind of accept it. Mm -hmm. No money to get an attorney, right. family to, you know, you just don't have. So you just kind of, my mom was just like. And, and we and we almost, until we really see what goes on in the justice system, we feel like they're going to handle us as fairly as they possibly can. And it was BS, like, <laughs> you know, and there was a restraining order against the guy. Mm -hmm. All that stuff. And so. Mm -hmm. My brother Even with the restraining order. still got charged and all that with, with manslaughter. And so um, when I found I was like 10, me and my sister, I didn't even know how to respond. I mm -hmm. didn't know. I just knew my brother was going away um, and I needed to step up and be the man of the house at right. 10 years old. Um, and it just, my mom hasn't been the same since. So I saw the pain and the trauma. And I didn't realize how that affected me. Mm -hmm. And so didn't have a, my father was around, but he wasn't in our house mm -hmm. um, and in our lives like that. So that just sort of led me on a path. I was like, you know what? I got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. This is not how I, you know, I, I did. And so I uh, went to California, um, worked in entertainment for mm -hmm. almost 15 years doing the acting and all kinds of stuff. And so when I think all this, it started being a series of just us seeing and hearing about black kids and men getting murdered by mm -hmm. policemen. And so I, the Trayvon Martin one just stuck with you. Yeah, it did. I don't, I don't know why that one. Um, Cause that one, I think that was the first time that we saw that it can really be any one of us. And then it wasn't like he, he wasn't killed by the hands of police. It was a, a regular resident, just like you and me. And after the, you know, once they gave the ruling, it's like, so now they're giving the people that type of power? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I just, I don't, I mean, there was times where I couldn't sleep and I was like, it just, I had never, I, I, I knew I was passionate about people and that kind of stuff, but I just, I didn't, I was like, wow, I could not sleep. I mm -hmm. was so, and I just remember like, 
waking up every day just pissed off right. and you start to look at white people different right. and start to, and i was like i just said god just what do you want me to do like i was like i just something has to give like i couldn't even pray it away so i was just like god what do you want me to do and um i just started writing um and i started writing a business plan and i was mm-hmm. like how do i channel my anger and all these things and I started writing a business plan for second chances. I wrote it on my phone. It's still on my wow. phone. And um, every day I would get, and I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would just write and I started talking to people mm-hmm. um, about incarceration and what they need and what the needs are coming out because incarceration is happening. It's going to take a long time to change the system. So I was like, how do we help those that have been affected by it? And to keep them from going back, but also to have something. Cause I started looking up resources and stuff and there's not, there's resources, but there's not a lot. And mm-hmm. also how do you get them? How do you right. get to them? Right. Um, and are they legit? Right. Like, is this, are these things legit? Can I do it? And so just to remove the red tape, but also mm-hmm. I understand that my brother has been in and out of this system his whole life since he was 15 and unfairly right. you know he was protecting his mom like anybody else mm-hmm. would um i would have been in that same situation right. so i was like you know what i don't um uh, i felt like i was like okay this is my purpose i was like i have to i have to do something mm-hmm. and so me and some of my friends and colleagues and stuff we got together we formed a board and we put this stuff together and started just doing the work like we started um, contacting businesses about jobs, building mm-hmm. partnerships, um, reaching out to the city, um, the jails. In that, I went back home. Um, I came back here, shot a shot a documentary mm-hmm. on it, um, Second Chances. And where can we see that documentary? We haven't released it on anything. We need okay. to. <laughs> yeah, we're we're to we shopping it around. Um, but yeah, we we're gonna do some screeners and stuff here in Houston. But it's done well. We won. 10, 15 awards. Oh, wow. So, yeah, um, like film festivals mm-hmm. and things like that? Yeah, it's done that. Um, really powerful documentary. Mm-hmm. And um, it gives you a child's perspective on what it's like to lose your parents mm-hmm. in the system, my nephew. But also should follows three black men that were incarcerated over 60 years. And now they're all business owners. Wow. And they're in the community. You know, so it's a... Yeah, we definitely need to see that. Especially with this area, the Greenspoint area. Um, we have a lot of children that are affected. We can show it here. Family members. Yeah, yeah we let her yeah. have a get the community together and yeah. show it. Yeah, we can set that up, man. But I heard you talk about um, something that's, that's very important, I think, and I think the people need to walk away with this. You talked about channel, channeling your energy. Mm-hmm. Um, because when we, when we are in those circumstances, when we're from low-income areas, our parents don't have much, can't give us much. And like you say, you have the kids that do. So it kind of makes you feel a certain type of way. And then the moment somebody speaks on it, you really don't feel a certain type of way. Because it's like when you're, in that, when you're in that position, the last thing you have is your respect and your dignity. Mm-hmm. And for somebody to talk about you, it's like trying to take that last little piece of what you have away from you. So a lot of us do react in a way um, physically, where we're going to get into a physical altercation. Mm-hmm. But like you said, at first it was you finding sports, track, and, and football to channel that energy. Um, later in life, it came in the form of writing. And I just think it's very important, no matter what age you are right now in life, 
is always a way to channel your energy. And what I've come to find within myself and speaking to other people that nine times out of 10, that's where your passion lies. Mm -hmm. That's where your purpose lies. Mm -hmm. And you find it when you find a positive way to channel your energy. Yeah. Um, I think life is all stepping stones. Like you have to trust the journey, trust the process mm -hmm. and understand like you're not what you go through. Right. I had to realize that I'm not the thing that, that happened to me. Yeah. I'm not the things that I did. I'm not the mistakes that I made. And so I think a lot of times, not a lot of times, we all, you have to forgive yourself and you have to have empathy for yourself. Very important. And know that you just have to know that in every moment, every second, you have exactly what you need at that time. It may not feel like it. Mm -hmm. You may not understand it. It may be painful. It, it may be all kinds of things, but you have to you have to trust that God is omnipresent. And omnipresent means always, always with you, right. always there. And so you just have to know in yourself and you gotta trust that this moment may not look like what it's supposed to. It may not feel like it's supposed to, but I have what I need. It may not be what I want, mm -hmm. but it's what you need. And as, as long as you can breathe, you're healthy, um, you're good. Yeah. You're good. And you just, you, a lot of times, just keep keep moving, keep yeah. fighting, don't lay down, don't ever give up. And um, be open to trying different things. Like I, I went to therapy mm -hmm. for five years. Um, and that's something that we don't, that we're not really big on in our community is therapy and talking openly openly to a stranger. A lot of people like to We're say. getting there. Yeah. Um, but I'm an advocate for just having to, to be able to, because therapy is being, you're, you're being honest. Therapy only works if you want to be honest about mm -hmm. yourself and you want to understand things that you don't know or understand about right. yourself. And you're having open, honest conversations about the good, the bad, the ugly. And then you realize that it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to have things that don't look good, things that I did, just not what people think they are. Mm -hmm. Like, it's okay to be human. Right. Like, humans are just not perfect. And I think we want to wear these masks and these things that make people think that we're a certain way. Mm -hmm. and we, you know, it makes us feel good about ourselves, but you find purpose in understanding who you are. Like, God is is... Finding God is finding yourself. Like right. you find you. And when you find yourself, that's when you you move closer to God. You know, you don't, you're not going to just find God in a church. You're not going to find God, you know, in all these places that you may think you are. Like God is in you. Mm -hmm. and, and the journey in this life is understanding who you are right. and what your purpose is. But mm -hmm. the only way you're going to do that is you, you got to seek yourself. Like you got to continue to figure out. It's, it's like you see, it's your low, you have your lower self and your higher self. Mm -hmm. To me, God is your higher self. It's how you envision yourself yep. being at your best and being fulfilled and knowing your purpose. God is all of that. And seeking that in yourself is, is finding the God within yourself and, and being obedient to that. Um, and like you say, you have to go through things. People think when I'm going through something, they give the devil a lot of credit for things. But... Think about a diamond, all the pressure and everything that that piece of coal has to go through 
before that diamond is produced. So it's the same as humans and, and God's gonna put us through some things. He's gonna test us, trials and tribulations to make sure when we get that reward, we don't fumble. So we should take that with open arms, take the good and the bad, just the same. Yeah, and I always, I feel like that whole devil thing is an excuse. It keeps us from taking responsibility right. and being accountable. Mm -hmm. Like life is, your greatest power as a human is a power to choose. Right. And we don't always choose the things that edify our lives or, right. or take us down the right path, but you have to take responsibility and accountability. Yeah, there's things out there that you have no control over. Mm -hmm. Like you don't, they happen. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. Mm -hmm. So that means we all, something all is coming, right. always gonna be coming your way. But the thing is like equipment, like having the right tools and the equipment in your bag that when it does come your way, you know how to either be still, or you know how to keep walking, yeah. um, you know how to stop real quick mm -hmm. and meditate, pray, whatever you need to do. Like, but you, that all that has to do with you understanding who you are, right. you know, and understanding your triggers right. and filling the holes in your life. Like we all have things that we need to work on, and if you're not, it's a it's a it's a practice. Like it's. One thing sports teaches you is that if you don't practice, you're, you're only as good as your last game. You're only as good as your last touchdown. You know, it's everything is a practice. Like, and it's not easy mm -hmm. to practice the things that you need to do that's going to better your life. Right. It gets better and it gets easy, but it's a constant. It's a constant practice. Yeah, like you have to speak positive things over your life. Like we talk to ourselves more than anybody. Mm -hmm. Like there is, you talk to yourself a billion times a day, but mm -hmm. you also have to ask, like, what am I saying to myself? Mm -hmm. Like, how am I speaking to myself? Because right. you're speaking your life. Right. Am you I know? putting myself down? Am I speaking positive things in my life? Yeah. Man, Dave, it was great having you. Um, let us know about anything you may have coming up in the near future, any events, anything like that. Yeah, so um, we're partnering with um, you guys on um, some, the toy drive for the kids right. and giving back to the community. What's that, the 22nd? The 22nd. 22nd. Yep. It'll be um, in, um, what, Greenhouse International. Greenhouse International. Um, so we're um, partnering with you guys on that, the toy drive. Uh, we're also um, back in um, Terrell, which is where I grew up. We do an event every every year. So this is our fourth year, I think. Okay. This is our fourth year, so where we do, it's called the Holiday Give Back. Mm -hmm. And um, we basically bring toys to the community, to all the kids. We do food. Um, I'm excited about it. My uh, cousin has a, a food truck or whatever mm -hmm. uh, this year. So they're actually going to do the food, sponsor food. He's awesome. So uh, we bring clothes, food, all that kind of stuff to the community. So it's like a huge community celebration. Right. Um, just awesome. to bring something positive back. Um, so we've been doing that every year, and it's just... We've grown um, tremendously. I think last year we were able to uh, support 200 kids. Okay. Um, last year, that's Sean's goal this year. Right? Yeah, that's the goal this year. Too. Um, so it just keeps growing. Uh, we've been blessed to have different organizations and individuals donate Ooh. every year to the event. So it's I'm, I'm excited about it. I guess we're going into the 2020. Um, just. I'm excited. Though. All right. Ready to take on new endeavors. Yeah. Well, cool, man. Thanks so much for coming out. Um, where can we find you? Uh, website, Instagram, Facebook? Yeah. 
So everything's the same. So um, our website is www.secondchances.life. So second is 2ND. Uh, most people want to spell it S-E-C-O-N-D, but it's mm-hmm. second. So it's a 2ND chances with an S dot life. So dot life instead of dot com. And that's also our uh, handle on um, Instagram. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. So at secondchances.life. And it's at secondchances.life on both of those. So you guys can follow us, find us. Um, everything will be posted. Like we always update our stuff on events and stuff. So if anybody wants to volunteer, uh, you guys can email us at info at secondchances.life. Um, and if you just anything if you need any assistance jobs um housing um if you want to go back to school um get your ged um also oh yeah your um if you want to uh, get your high school diploma mm-hmm. um we would do that as well any kind of job training skills if you need help interviewing with your resume um all those things we're, we're able to help so okay Y'all definitely hit them up. Um, a lot of resources, a lot of community resources, doing some great things in the community. Again, thank you so much for coming out. We enjoyed you. I appreciate your call. Thank All y'all. Right.